Good morning, Zion. A question for you as we begin this morning. What would you do today if you knew that tomorrow Jesus was either going to return or call you home? Martin Luther said, if I knew the world was going to end tomorrow, I would plant a tree today. A lady once asked uh, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, that suppose he were to know that he would die at 12 midnight tomorrow, how would he spend the rest of his life? And his reply was, why, madam, just as I intend to spend it now. I would preach this evening at Gloucester and again at 5 tomorrow morning. After that, I would ride to Tewksbury, preach in the afternoon, and I would then go to Reverend Martin's house, who expects to entertain me talk and pray with the family as usual, retire to my room at 10 o'clock, commend myself to my Heavenly Father, lie down to rest, and wake up in glory. Both Luther and Wesley presented with the possibility that everything could change at any time, in 24 hours even, by tomorrow, declared that they would change nothing today. But that begs the question, what is it that they were doing today that was sufficient, that had eternal value? The answer is that they were already mindful of serving God with their time and with their talents, their gifts and passions. They both expected Jesus to find them faithfully serving, carrying out their assigned work whenever or wherever Christ would return or call them home. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, Your work in the Lord is not in vain. Your work in the Lord is not in vain. If Jesus returns or calls you home tomorrow, you have every reason to believe that whatever little you accomplish today will somehow be retained, absorbed, transmuted into a God-glorifying reality in the world to come. And so that means that all of our attempts to care well for this world, for creation, and to make the world a better place, praying for God's kingdom to break into the present, advancing the gospel, doing good ministry in terms of compassion, mercy, and justice is not in vain. We are not merely polishing the brass on a sinking ship, but co-workers of Christ, kingdom builders, ambassadors, agents of healing and hope in the world a world that God is crazy about. Last Sunday, we talked about the generosity of God. Everything that exists comes from God and belongs to Him, including you and me. It's about ownership. Nothing belongs to us, but it's entrusted to us. We are stewards, caretakers, trustees of the things that God grants. And our time, our talents, our gifts... Our abilities, our passions, our knowledge or experience or wisdom or creativity are all on loan from God. You have talent on loan from God. Knowing that when the end comes and we must put the toys back into the play box, what are we going to do today with this time that we've been given? Think about that. Oh, the dreams, the partnerships the adventures, the astounding opportunities, the God-sized accomplishments that happen when we are on mission for God. 
with the resources that God has placed in our willing and faithful hands. A faith the size of a mustard seed that can move a mountain. The prayer offered in faith that brings reconciliation, healing, or salvation. Five fish and two small loaves of a little boy willing to share. The slingshot, skill, and courage that felled a giant. The small jar of oil and handful of flour that belonged to a widow that never ran out for she and her son willing to feed a prophet. Lydia opening her home in a way that it became an outpost for the gospel. Peter opening his mouth and allowing the Holy Spirit to do powerful things in the hearts of his hearers, thousands of them. All God asks is that we take what he's given and put it to work for kingdom purposes and so multiplying God's investment through us. Jesus told parables to shed light on spiritual truths. He used earthly stories to reveal heavenly realities. And the parable of the talents is a fairly familiar story that Jesus told. We're going to hear that this morning, unpack it a little bit. And so I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25, beginning with the 14th verse. I'm on page 961 of the Pew Bible. Context is always important when we're reading Scripture or studying it, so just want to note that the par- this parable of uh, the talents comes uh, sort of bookended by the parable of the ten virgins and the Jesus story, the separating the sheep and the goats. But it is also part of a larger context, a larger discourse on the end times, on Jesus coming again, if you look at the whole surrounding passages. So I'm, I'm reading, so with that in mind, and uh, it's also all, these, all of these passages... And that discourse on the end times is about preparedness, accountability, judgment, and what we do with our lives while we are waiting for Jesus coming again. So with all of that in mind, let's hear God's word. Chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. Again, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work, and again, and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is. Here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Tough story, isn't it? Well, it's a talent is a unit of money and it's a little hard to appreciate or probably estimate what its value would be for us in our current economy, if you will. My, my Bible has a footnote that a talent was worth um, $1,000, but in one of my commentaries, it said that a talent was a unit of money that was generally about 75 pounds of silver. And so if that's true, then, then this master giving out eight talents to his servants was giving to them and trusting to them about 600 pounds of silver, whatever that's worth. And uh, wealthy people had servants and uh, managers of their affairs. And in this story, this man went away. It wasn't uncommon for them to uh, entrust these, their things to a servant or servants uh, who would um, carry on their business for them and then, of course, come back and expect some return. But the point isn't really about the, the money and its value. Jesus is using it as an example of anything that God has entrusted to us to use and invest. Anything that He's given to us to use and invest, but that belongs to him. Jesus ascended into heaven, but he's coming again, like the master in the story. In the meantime, God has given us, his children, his ambassadors, his servants, talents. And a talent may, be, may, may represent money or wealth, but it can also be your time, your abilities, your giftings, aptitudes, experience, or knowledge, intellect, and skills could be pretty much anything about you because it's all from God. Anything that's entrusted to you by God and for which you will be accountable. God will ask you at the end of time, what did you do with the things that I gave you? With who you are, with who I made you to be, what did you do with those things? Well, looking at the story more closely, the, the master entrusted a certain amount to each of his three servants. In verse 15, it says, according to their ability... One received five, another two, another one, just one talent. And the expectation was that they would be good managers, stewards of what was entrusted to them, no matter what was entrusted to them. It's so hard, isn't it, sometimes not to compare ourselves to what others have? The giftings that they have, the abilities that they have, the intellect, or all of those things. It's so often for us as human beings to, to see what other people have and say, ah, oh, I wish I was like that. I wish I had that gift. I wish I had that ability. And sometimes we feel inferior. Or there, it could be work the other way as well. We look at others who, don't, who have little or have less than us and, or different gifts than us, and we look upon them as though somehow we're superior. The point is that we are faithful with the gifts that we've been given and grateful for the gifts, the skills, the abilities that God has given to us. And whether you have tremendous capacity or a small capacity, you're still called to be faithful. The first two servants were faithful. They immediately make effective use of their entrusted amounts. Maybe they started some sort of business, made a capital investment. They, return, they had returns. 
And they each doubled what was entrusted to them. And when the master returned, he was delighted with their faithfulness. You heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to entrust you with more things. Come and share my happiness. I love that part of it. He says, come and share my happiness. He doesn't just take back what he gave to them. His increase is their increase. They share in his blessings. They share in his, in his largesse. Come and share in, my happy, in your master's happiness. So the master's delighted with them. But the third servant tells a different story. By the way, the, others, the other two, they proved that they were trustworthy, didn't they? They were diligent. They, they proved responsible, perhaps even responsible risk takers, and it paid off. But the third servant's story is very different. He took the one talent that he received and he buried it in the ground. The master's not pleased with him at all. He says, you wicked, lazy servant. And we get some insight into why he buried his talent, why he put it under the mattress. It stemmed from his perception or misperception of his master. He didn't really know the master well at all. He's afraid of him and apparently too timid to risk or invest what was entrusted to him, afraid, afraid of losing it. So he wasn't even willing to put the money on deposit with the bankers. The servant blames the master rather than accepting responsibility for his irresponsibility. And in a surprising twist, the master orders that the one talent be taken from him, from the wicked servant, and given to the one who had ten talents. The lesson is summed up in the saying, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This was not the first time that Jesus uses this maxim. The point is about spiritual responsiveness, responsibility, and a right relationship with God. Out of that flows faithfulness and fruitfulness. I had a friend or acquaintance who was um, struggling in the workplace, and, and uh, he had a job, and it wasn't a great job, but it was a job. He also knew that it wasn't a great job, and so he wasn't all that diligent about doing his job. His employer complained about his work ethic and that he was on the cell phone too much. I talked to my friend about this one day, and he argued that he was worthy of a better job. I had to tell him that he wasn't proving that he was worthy or trustworthy to handle more responsibility. He wasn't being faithful in the small things. Why would someone entrust him with greater things? He lost his job. The punishment of the wicked servant in Jesus' parable is not simply taking away the one talent and giving it to someone else. But his, this wicked servant is now also called worthless and is thrown outside. The master says, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are hard words. These are words of judgment. But they reveal the seriousness of living for Jesus or living only for yourself. That's the point of the parable. What are you doing with the gifts that God has given to you? How are you investing them so that God is increased? Jesus employed his time and talents for the sake of the kingdom of God. He, he gave himself all that he was and all that he had to address the priorities of God. 
We are the benefactors of Jesus' faithfulness, and we have been entrusted with much that we might carry on his work in the world. If God has given you, friends, if God has given you a dream, a vision, a passion, don't squelch it. If God has given you um, an ability, develop it, hone it, use it. If God has given you a talent, a skill, a gifting, but you don't have time, make time. Be a good and faithful servant for Jesus' sake, for your sake. Maybe there was a time when you were zealous to serve God, but the passion has faded. The realities and demands of life have crept in. Or you've grown old, and Jesus has been a long time in coming, and you're tired, maybe bemoaning the abilities that are lost and the fact that there is more time behind you than ahead. We all have our reasons for why we don't use our gifts, right? We all have our reasons why we don't increase or develop or hone those gifts. We all have our reasons why we don't have time to use our gifts. I think about baby boomers, my generation, that's entering retirement. With our time, talents, resources, experiences, gifts, and abilities, we are a virtual army waiting to be mobilized for the sake of the kingdom and the world. I'm starting to think about my retirement, but not about coasting the rest of my life or living a life of leisure. I'm actually thinking about what am I going to do next? How might God use me in, in new ways? I don't care if I'm a church custodian. I would enjoy that. And I'm actually thinking about going back to school to uh, get my uh, credentials and, and skills to become a spiritual director. I'd love to do that in my, in my retirement. But the point is that I'm not just thinking about kicking back and taking life easy. I'm, I'm like God with all that I am and who I am and what you've given me. How can I continue to serve you? I'd like to do that in a new way, in a different way. But how? I have a friend who is a golf pro who enjoys winters off. And for the past 14 or 15 years, she has spent her winters serving Habitat for Humanity in the South and loving it. And when she retires soon, she plans to do that um, on an even uh, greater basis. And her decision to do that, by the way, came out of her uh, coming into a real relationship with Christ. And, and, and her life was transformed. It, it, it transformed the way that she was living. It transformed um, her passions. It transformed her priorities. And it transformed her pocketbook. She's exceedingly generous with her time and her abilities. I never cease to be amazed or inspired by Jimmy Carter, a peanut farmer from Georgia and our 39th president. Jimmy wasn't a great president by most accounts, but he's been an incredible American and more importantly, a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. Jimmy is 94 years old. And he is still teaching Sunday school every other week in his church in Plains, Georgia. Can you imagine attending a Sunday school class given by Jimmy Carter? I actually have friends who have been there. In fact, my friend, the golf pro who serves Habitat for Humanity, she's been to Jimmy's church. She sat in his, in his Sunday school class. I'm envious. <laughs> this is just a side note. I think about how here, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it. No, I, I, I'm sorry. Just, 
I, I, I was just reading about people line up for hours to sit in Jimmy Carter's Sunday school class because of who he is, obviously. But I think about the fact, you know, we come here to worship God every week, right? But we come 10 minutes late. Sorry, that was, I just had to think about that. It's like, what if we were like really eager to be here? Because we're meeting with somebody really important who'd like to teach us. Anyway, just a thought. It wasn't too bad, was it? Was it bad? Oh, it just struck me. It's like you're lining up for hours to hear Jimmy Carter. Anyway. So Jimmy's been a builder of God's kingdom, generous with his abilities and his time and his gifts. A builder of God's kingdom, he's a, he's a peacemaker. He, he's, he's been involved with peace talks and peace negotiations in other nations. He's advanced disease prevention in developing nations. He's a defender and advocate of human rights and a key figure in the Habitat for Humanity charity, swinging a hammer, I don't know if he still is, but for years he's been swinging a hammer right alongside others. He has worked tirelessly, faithfully, as a servant of Jesus Christ before the world. He does not hide his faith, but it informs and inspires all that he does. He has made a difference in the church and in the world by who he is and what he does. He is a humble, gifted, and godly man who continues to make himself available as time and energy allow. At 94, he is the longest living former president ever. And he's been entrusted with five talents. And he's earned five more several times over, I'm sure. Well done, good and faithful servant. This isn't about doing more necessarily. It's about why we do what we do. And being intentional and wise about where you direct your energies and your time generously for kingdom purposes. God is generous, and to most of us, he's been extremely generous for a reason, in many ways. And we will, we will be held accountable for what we do with what we've been given. So invest your time, your abilities, wisely in ways that yield kingdom dividends. Do it not because you must, but because you may. It is a joy and a privilege to be, to be in partnership, to be on mission with Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, maker and giver of all things. God, for the things that you have given to each and every one of us here, for the talents you have entrusted to us, the gifts, the abilities, the experiences, the intellect, everything, God, that you have given to us. Help us to use it wisely, God, in ways that ultimately build your kingdom, that bring you glory, that bless you, that we also, Lord, through it may be blessed. We pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake.